Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. The Cub right-hander ready for the 1-2 pitch. It's on the way. Ground ball toward the middle. Horner's got it. Shovel to Baez. One over the first double play. Poetry in motion. 100 strike three. Garrett Crochet keep that baseball. His first major league strikeout. Just a couple of months after he was drafted. I'm truly living the dream. It's pretty hard to put into words. Uh, something that I didn't necessarily uh, foresee for myself uh, a year ago today, but something that's kind of been building up <clears throat> and something I was looking forward to. Uh, just glad that I was able to get out there today and um, just kind of helping the team any way I can. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. You heard the highlights from your baseball teams right there last night. Right here on 670 to score, a gorgeous double play. Nico Horner with a flip to Javi Baez, and Baez completes it. That's in the ninth inning to help Jeremy Jeffress uh, get out of some trouble that he created with a couple of walks. And then you heard on NBC Sports Chicago, Garrett Crochet with the strikeout. He ended up with two of them in his big league debut. And him talking about it, Bruce, he said he felt weightless. Felt weightless out there last night, which I would like to feel myself. So someday that's the goal right there. <laughs> well, we'd all like to feel that way, Matt. But, uh, you know, the reality of uh, just basically pitching three years in college and then making your major league debut as a team is uh, ready to, uh, has already clinched a playoffs about ready to win a division, that's uh, some pretty heady stuff, even for the most confident kid. But you watch him pitch. And look, it's only a small sample, but we know. But, you know, the, the guy looked like he'd been pitching professional baseball for a long time. It's only one inning, but, uh, you know, there were, he didn't look nervous to me pouring that in. The hitters were the ones that looked a little nervous defensive that they're looking at. left. First of all, from the left side, Major League scouts and baseball people have always talked about that if you're a left-handed pitcher, and you throw in the 90s at all, you know, 92, 93, uh, with, you know, the assumed breaking ball that you're always going to have as a lefty, that uh, that's like a right-hander that throws 97, 98. So you, you look at uh, what Chapman has done uh, dominating hitters for so long in the major leagues. Now you got a left-handed pitcher that throws 100. Uh, and, you know, for that to be a part of your weaponry, uh, going into the playoffs, it's pretty impressive. Just knowing that's out there, not even using it, 
You, mm -hmm. you throw them together with the big arms with Foster and Hoyer out there already and the experience of Colome and possibly Bummer coming back. That could be, you know, that could be the, the jumping off point for the White Sox story and how it is completed in 2020. I'm anxious to get to some of the big picture stuff that um, that you'd mentioned before the break. Um, uh, but before we do, real quick, were you were you at all expecting Kimbrel last night for the ninth? He's been so good with scoreless outings in 11 of his last 12. He hasn't walked anybody since the blown save in Cincinnati. Been three straight high leverage situations where he's pitched very well. And Jeffress just blew a save earlier in the week. I I, I was. I was almost expecting it, and then Jeffress was gutsy and a little scary. I like the gutsy, but the scary makes me wonder if they're going to consider Kimbrel for a save situation here. I was hoping it was Kimbrel, and I, I understand uh, why Ross did it, because there's um, great consistency there, and uh, you know you don't want that one run to get away here, but it, it does show some still some hesitation in using Kimbrel in that role, don't you think, Matt? And the idea mm -hmm. that as good as he's been, and you and I have talked about it, he's averaged uh, two strikeouts a game for the last 12 uh, that he's been out there, only allowed runs once, uh, two runs against Cincinnati within that framework. Uh, the, the, the breaking ball is tighter. The fastball has the, uh, the rise uh, that looks like a strike uh, near the top of the zone and then floats out of it. So from all of that, mechanically, he's good. Emotionally, mentally, uh, he's better. Probably mm -hmm. not there yet as far as David Ross uh, is considered uh, considers it because of the fact that you did not see him in that very important role in a uh, game that uh, was tentative because you only had that one-run lead going into the ninth. Yeah, against some very, very good hitters. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And if you don't make a change before the playoffs, can you do it in the middle of the playoffs? Would you dare do it in the middle of the playoffs? The good news is that Jeffress is a very solid uh, veteran and teammate. So, um, and, he, and Kimbrell has shown an ability to, to, to take the demotion and, and, and handle it very well. So uh, one, of the, one of the big storylines that we'll certainly be following along for the Cubs. But, um, but Bruce, get to the big, big picture stuff you were thinking about in terms of uh, overall the playoff race and the quality right. of play that we've been seeing. Well, you alluded to it before we went to the break. And uh, right now, we, let's, let's start with the National League. The L.A. is uh, in the lead right now. So, you know, this isn't the seeding. This is uh, the playoff picture right now. You have L.A. 1, Padres 2, Cubs 3, Atlanta 4, St. Louis and Miami tied for five and six. Miami. Philadelphia and um, San Francisco basically tied for seventh and eighth. because, And this is all predicated on the loss column right now. So uh, Philadelphia and San Francisco with 25 losses each. Miami and St. Louis, 24 each. So um, for that, that's the battle for the eighth spot. Now, right there are Cincinnati and Milwaukee at 26. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have you have a possibility. It's a long shot because uh, the central teams playing each other here, uh, St. Louis and uh, and uh, Milwaukee here over this next week. But you have the, the strange possibility of four teams from the central division being in the playoffs. Now, that would be incredible. Uh, it's not likely because Cincinnati and Milwaukee are right there below the A spot, one game below in the loss column. But um, that that's pretty incredible to think that half the teams may come 
from your division in the National League. So if the Giants and the Phillies both go in the tank over here in the final right. week, then it's it's conceivable. It's yeah, that's interesting. Ma- I, mathematically, it is. You know, Cincinnati. You know, again, Milwaukee and St. Louis have a ton of games left here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they have seven, right? Yeah. Uh, in the last week, so there, there's going to be a knockoff factor where one of them is going to lose. You know, in those games, so uh, will the, will that type of uh, wear and tear knock them out of it? Um, again, it's uh, it's fascinating because we have eight for the first time making it. Uh, in the National League and American League. But, um, you know, again, when you look at those teams, Matt, what team scares you other than the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are obviously the best team in in the National League as far as what people think, and the upstart Padres, who have been fantastic in this uh, 60-game sprint? Well, the Reds and the Cardinals would be the Mm -hmm. ones that scare me because of the starting pitching depth. Once you get into the playoffs, like your top three starters from a Cardinals or Reds team in a three game series would be would be daunting Um, if they had the opportunity to to set it up. They want, you know, Greg Castillo and who's pitched well of late and Bauer um, or or Flaherty and Wainwright. Dakota Hudson just went down. But the Cardinals have others. They've got they've got a lot of guys. So those, those two teams jump out to me. The, the issue for St. Louis is getting through these 12 games in a week, okay? Yep. Uh, that's, you know, the, the, as you said, injuries have started to uh, pr- crop up, and, and that, was, that was to be predicted, and still, you know, you hate to see it, but the wear and tear is just uh, horrific on them. I, I agree with you, Cincinnati. I think they've won six in a row now. Uh, with that pitching staff, that could be a, a very scary team to go up against in short series uh, you know, starting off with the uh, wild card series, which is three games, best two out of three, something that we haven't seen before. Uh, and, and then you, you move on to the uh, NL and AL uh, DS. So, it, it, you know, again, your hot team, as we always mention this time of year, is going to be the team that has the best pitching and uh, that is on fire going into this last week of the season. And that's why. The Cubs winning five in a row and the White Sox uh, playing the good ball that they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. That's imperative to, to be able to take moving forward into the playoff season. To uh, to stay in the moment, Bruce, and just like r- remind people what is coming here, you know, regardless of what you think of the expanded postseason for next year, beyond all blah, blah, blah. On the 29th of September, the AL series will start. We'll have four playoff games on the same day. On the 30th of September, there will be eight playoff games going on. Like yeah. both both leagues will have all four series, four NL games one, four AL games two. On the 1st of October, there could be eight more. There could be as many as eight elimination games on the 1st of October. So there's going to be like an opening days of the NCAA tournament feel to it of just eight games in the same day, maybe for a couple of days. That that could be crazy and fun. It, it will be fun. And I, I think from this variation, you will see the future of Major League Baseball and how they set up their regular season and how they set off up the playoffs uh, at, at the 2021 CBA when they sit down with the Players Association. You're likely to hear conversation like this we're thinking about a 145 game season 
We're thinking about playoffs similar every year to what happened in 2020. Uh, we're thinking to, you know, uh, dominating that month of October because we're going to have 16 teams uh, every year. That means more than half the markets <clears throat> involved in playoff baseball, which means football won't necessarily dominate like they do in the month of October. Now, football is still number one and the king as far as attention, but outdrawing baseball in October, that might change a little bit because of so many teams being involved. I don't, I don't see them backing away from this amount of playoff teams and the ability uh, not only to keep the attention of fans, but also to monetize it with more revenue for both the players and the owners. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, think, I think you're right. And it's something that people are going to have to wrap their heads around. And there are tweaks to make it seem a little more equitable, make it a little better. There's a Bob Costas plan, as told to him by Jerry Reinsdorf. It's may- it made its way around the ecosystem this week. I brought it up on Hit and Run when he told it to the Starkville podcast with Jason Stark and Doug Glanville in May, which um, values the division more, which sets up uh, an interesting, you know, pick your opponent situation for part mm-hmm. of it. But it, but it was Costas bringing it up, and it was very, very thoughtful. And and we'll we'll have opportunities in a in a long off season to um to to bring it up and get to it in detail. But I agree that those kind of things are going to be uh, are very much brought to the table, and baseball fans are going to probably have to wrap their heads around. I mean, you know, the attention span of sports fans and baseball fans in particular been really challenged, you know, now as far as 162 game season and 16 teams in the playoffs is not palatable for many baseball people when you say 162 games and that the top teams don't get that much uh, benefit from it uh, after 162. So you don't want to diminish the regular season down to not, not having any meaning. But if you take down the number of games played by 15 or 20, and you can prove to the owners and the players that the money is still there uh, at the back end. I think then you then you might have something where Mondays and Thursdays are off. Uh, you can start the season in uh, the second week of April and still get to the finish line uh, at the end of September. So those those things are going to be uh, interesting uh, to look at. Let's take a look, uh, Matt, at the American League uh, seating right now. So. One through eight, as far as the record goes right now, we have Tampa Bay and the White Sox tied with 18 losses. They're one to Oakland with 19 is three. The Yankees coming on strong at 21. Minnesota, 22. Uh, Cleveland, uh, 23. Toronto, 25. Houston, 26. It's pretty much those eight teams because the next team uh, has is Seattle with 29 losses at this point, three behind Houston. So you're looking at those eight teams, and it's pretty pretty much in stone unless something really quirky happens this next week. Uh, you know, see, Seattle goes on a great run here. That uh, Those are your eight teams. Tampa, White Sox, Oakland, Yankees, Minnesota, Cleveland, Toronto, Houston. What stands out to you? What are the scary teams that you look at uh, that the White Sox might have to deal with in that group? Well, no, nobody really talks about the Rays um, because it, people focus on the Yankees and the Blue Jays are fun and the Central is so crazy. But the Rays have so many 
solid starting picture pitchers, uh, a bunch of, of interesting and varied bullpen arms and, and a manager who knows how to kind of utilize everybody and, and use them as outgetters uh, like Craig Council does in Milwaukee. So th- I think the Rays are scary. Obviously, the Yankees, they just hit five homers in an inning. They had four straight games of six homers. I mean, they're, right. they're ridiculous when the offense gets going. So those two, as I continue every year, to undersell the Oakland A's going into the playoffs. Every year, they're, they're, they're really good, have a great year, they impress me, and then I just don't really give them much of a chance in the playoffs. I, I apologize to any A's fans. Yeah, the Chapman A's. injury is daunting for them. That's big. Uh, That's big. Yeah, I mean, he's the MVP almost every year the last three years. People don't even know who he is uh, sometimes because who watches Oakland baseball unless you have the uh, MLB package. But, uh, you know, one of the top two or three players in all baseball uh, being lost for them. That, that really hurts. But, uh, again, the scariest team to me uh, might be the White Sox because they're so carefree, okay? And because just getting into the playoffs and, and winning their division is such a huge plus for them that if they do not go all the way, uh, I think their mentality is, hey, we're the team uh, of, the 20, tw- of the 20s now. We're the team... You're going to be watching. We're the, we're the fun team that uh, the jerseys are going to be sold all over the world about because uh, we're we're the hot team and we're the we're the team on the come. So they're going to. I think they're going to be pretty loosey goosey going into the postseason. Yeah. Well, you know that's that's a great vibe to bring into it, and as uh, long as they they can survive. That uh, that first round chaos of a of a three game series, um, you know they'll they'll have as good a shot as anybody. I, I know I know you wanted to talk a manager of the year, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Levine, and I and I know you mentioned uh, you know a case on both sides of town. I was so angry at Don Mattingly for the the Marlins outbreak and the way that it was discussed and handled by him. But I have to look down and say, how the hell are the Marlins here when I thought they were going to be maybe the worst team in baseball? And yet here they are as a playoff team right now. I can't I, I can't even figure it out, frankly. So yeah. Mattingly and he, pops he's to done mind. a fantastic job. Uh, you know, in that group, you know, Dave Roberts, obviously, uh, Jace Tingler, you know, try to get people to understand he's the first year Padres manager and doing a great job there. And then David Ross. You know, uh, has he looked like a rookie manager to you at many times this year? Has he felt that way? Have Have you seen him in panic mode, in any mode where he looks unsure? Obviously, when the bullpen was not functioning, it does, it's always a reflection on the manager. But I think the cool and calm of David Ross is something that will keep him in that top tier of uh, consideration for manager of the year in the National League. Yeah, he's he's he really hasn't had any missteps either. Like I think the way that he handled the Kimbrel thing has been pretty remarkable on a yes. communication level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that he and Hadavi and Mike Borzello have dealt with you know, helping John Lester find it again in the middle of the year, helping Kimbrel find it again in the middle of the year and make adjustments, um, helping Darvish be be this good. Uh, and and overall, some of the difficult decisions that that Ross has had to make, I, I'll say this, the the lack of moving guys around in the lineup, like continuing to trust the stars in big spots in the lineup is something I questioned for a while. But then when Theo Epstein has talked about it, that's clear. That's organizational. That's 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 well, what they want to do. 
Take it a, a step whole. further, yeah, Matt. Take it a step further. Without those guys, you don't win. Regardless, if they're not playing well, the substitute guys are not going to take you to the next level. So it's always imperative to get them right and keep them uh, in the mix. But you know, they they have had good contributions from, you know, Bodie and uh, Ian Happ carried the team for a long time with their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But that that can't you can't win that way. Your your big guys are going to have to do it. You're going to have to keep them viable. Uh, real quick, with a minute or so left in this segment before we get to John Lester at the bottom of the hour, uh, I think Ricky Renneria is the the runaway winner of the Manager of the Year award. And as you point out, Kevin Cash has done a fantastic job with Tampa. Bob Melvin always does a good job with the Oakland A's. Uh, you know, Baldelli always gets. Uh, some some uh, recognition, but to me, uh, whether you like his style or not, you have to give Ricky Renteria credit for uh, getting his players ready, believing in themselves, and out there every day winning these ball games. I, I don't see any way around it. <laughs> it's it's interesting way to put it, because yeah. I, I I myself find myself crediting um, Abreu. Uh, Grandal, Keuchel, yeah. in terms of what they've brought as veterans, and just somebody overall, has to put them in that lineup and keep keep them happy and viable on a daily basis. And I if know, that's that, all you do, if that's all you do, and your team has the best record in the American League or close to it, um, yeah. that is the manager of the year. You don't have to. I don't think it's a scientific experiment to say that Ricky Renteria gets those guys ready to play, uh, makes a lineup, and, and runs a good ship there with guys that respond to him. Mm-hmm. If you so, want to get into the technical aspects and yeah. start picking them apart, you know, free to do it. Understand it. Understand some of the pitching things that you don't like. Understand maybe some of the lineups of sticking with the people too long. But the end result, to me, is R- Ricky Renteria being the manager of the year. And we... We can argue it, and you got about 12 seconds before we go to break. So. <laughs> well, I'll just say this: I think we're in a way we're too close to it because if, if you know, because I I see those problems that you'd see when you watch a manager every day. If we were in Tampa, sure. I'm sure I can tell you what Kevin Cash does wrong. I cause, I agree. Cause that's how it works. Right? I agree with you, and I would join you on some of those criticisms of Ricky. Right. But the end result, to me, is manager of the year. 670 The Score is where you are. He's Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel, enjoying the baseball conversation. And next we'll talk to a man who was terrific um, and really emotional and open, and we appreciated it, that's for sure, in what may have been his final start at Wrigley Field. John Lester joins Inside the Clubhouse next on The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. His influence and his impact on this organization, you know, is... Uh sort of beyond reproach and it's very rare that you you know, set a plan and it works out almost exactly as you want. Um, but in the case of John, you know, what we assigned him to do uh, both in the clubhouse and on the mound, um, I mean, you can't deliver more than he did. You know, we wanted a guy that could come in here 
uh, you know, change the way the, or, the, the mentality of the organization. We want a guy that could you know, pitch in huge games for us and have that experience and a guy that's sort of the ultimate competitor, competitor that we knew would, would bring that fire and would change um, the way the clubhouse, you know, acted every fifth day. And, and he did that, you know, and then saw. That's Jed Hoyer from the Cubs front office on the score the other day with our Danny Parkins talking about our next guest who joins us on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Bruce? The accomplished and a great pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, John Lester, nice enough to join us on a Saturday afternoon morning for uh, our show on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, John. We appreciate you joining us. And uh, I would like to take you back to the other day where, you know, it was an emotional time for you because of the thought process that this may be your last time at Wrigley. But uh, I'll just start you off by saying, doesn't have to be that way, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, you know, but I, I think we, you know, there, there's just a lot of unknowns in in the world right now. Um, not only, obviously, in, in in sports, but just in in the world. I mean, the the, the economy, the the way, um, you know, just just getting back to being normal would be obviously great for everybody. So. Um, you know, I always take things for what they are. I take things that, that are in front of me. And, um, you know, the other day I really wanted to make sure that when I went out there and, and warmed up and pitched that, that I really tried to enjoy it as best I could and, and, and soak it in and, um, you know, take it for what it was. And, and hopefully it's not. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I wanted to prepare myself, uh, you know, for it to possibly be, and that way, I don't look back on the on that day and say, "Man, I wish I would have done that," or "I wish I would have done this." Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that you can always come back and and have another one. But I wanted to make sure that if that wasn't the case, that that uh, the other day was was uh, special uh, for me, and um, you know, I really got to, like I said, try to try to soak it all in. Uh, some some listeners have been texting in, John, knowing that you're coming in, and one of them said, "Tell Lester he's going to get that standing O, one way or the other." Cub fans will <laughs> not forget. So that they they say it's coming. Um, meanwhile, my brother, who's a Red Sox fan, talked to him this week, and he said, "Oh, he's coming back to Boston. He he's coming back to Boston." <laughs> so you got you got a couple fan bases that are wishing and a hoping at this point. I think, John, that's got to feel pretty nice. At least have those kind of relationships having been built with the fans over the length of your career in two places. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're very, very lucky to, to play a game, um, you know, a game that we call a job and we do it, you know, not only for ourselves and, and the enjoyment of that, but, but for the fans and for cities. And it's really cool. I've been very, very fortunate to be a part of two, historic franchises, um, two unbelievable fan bases, and you end up becoming part of those cities. You end up becoming a part of those fan bases. And that's really special to me. It's special to my family. And, um, you know, like I said the other day, I mean, Chicago, Chicago, Boston will always be our homes. Um, you know, we've raised our kids in, in two great places. Um, 
you know, so to be able to say that, that is very, very fortunate. And I'm very, very lucky that I've been able to do that uh, or have that be a part of my life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just an awesome, awesome feeling that, that to consider or to be considered, um, uh, you know, Chicago as, as my home and, and to be welcomed uh, by everybody uh, is just a cool, cool feeling. John Lester joins us on Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday morning. And, John, um, when you hear accolades from teammates, uh, you hear uh, your manager talking about uh, how you not only helped him but made his career, helped him and his family make the money that's a difference maker, uh, being that friend and teammate that everybody values, hearing Ryan Dempster uh, after tw- 14 years in the big leagues being your teammate for a year saying that watching your work ethic uh he learned something to take for himself even in his last year because that's how good it was Uh, all these things probably make you feel good uh, but um does it does it make you kind of feel like hey i'm not done uh we don't want to talk about the finish line because it's not the finish and i still have work to do here um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're all human. Um, everybody, uh, I would imagine, likes, you know, occasionally to, to hear that the, the, the work you're putting in, the effort, the uh, the way you've been going about it has resonated with people. You know, I think um, we all like pick-me-ups. We all like to get a pat on the back. So mm-hmm. it, it's nice to hear sometimes, but like you said, I, I think, you know, the, the finish line isn't, it's there, but it's not right there. You know, I think, uh, I, I still got, I feel like I have some things to accomplish and to prove, um, still. And I don't, I don't want to put a cap on it yet. I don't want to put it in an, an end on it yet. So, there's still some work to be done. And, and like I said, man, it's always nice to hear that what you're doing uh, rubs off on people and, and it's a positive thing. And, um, you know, we, you always question yourself sometimes like, Hey, am I doing the right stuff? Am I really, is it worth it? Is it, is it, uh, you know, the days, you know, especially like the other day, you know, you don't pitch that well and you have to come in and get your work done and you really don't want to do it. But, you look around at your teammates, you're like, man, I got to work because on Monday I'm pitching and I got to let them know that I'm ready. And so there's all those things, but, um, you know, like I said, man, it's always nice. Um, you know, we're human. We all like to be, to be lifted up sometimes. So it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear from guys like Demp that I really didn't get to spend a lot of time with, uh, as far as a playing career, like a Rossi or, you know, now Riz or, or Happer or KB or any of these guys. So it's nice to, to hear from a guy like that, that, um, you know, that, that stuck with him. A few more minutes with John Lester here on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse with him, Bruce Levine, and me, Matt Spiegel. After, after the start, I guess three starts ago, John, it was struck by your comments about, about confidence and just kind of how down you were. And, and then you and Tommy Hadovy and Mike Borzello apparently went out and worked on mechanics and you found something. And, and now the way you're talking now about drinking in moments and really staying in the moment, 
I'm wondering if those comments, you know, those that feeling of the where the confidence wasn't there is kind of a product of you just being real mindful that maybe it's that maybe it, it, it was important to really feel as down as you felt three starts ago in order to hunker down and do the work that you did to bounce back in the next couple starts. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all go through points. Um, you know, obviously this season is a lot shorter, so it's not quite the, I mean, actually it, it probably is a, a worse roller coaster ride than a normal season. Cause at least you have a little bit more time in a normal season to, to figure things out and, and kind of right the ship. Um, you know, with, 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 with how short the season is and how, you know, like it all goes back to like, Hey, I know this could possibly be my last year here. So you want everything to go well. You want everything, you have everything in your mind the way you want it. And when it doesn't go that way, you know, it's, it, you, you know, it's like getting punched in the gut. You know, you, 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 uh, you get knocked back a little bit. Um, and, and the, the work that we put in, we put in some, some really good work before spring training. Um, there were some, some mechanical things that we really wanted to dive into in spring training. And we did, and man, I felt great. Like I felt like I could pitch for another you know, three, four, five years. Um, my stuff was good. I was getting results. And then now we had to hit the brakes and, and do what we did. So some frustration in there that I couldn't carry that over right away to, to, to the summer camp and to here. Um, and then, you know, like, I, like I've always said, man, it's a result driven industry. And when you're not getting results, it, it's hard to, continue to believe in the things that you're, you're trying to work on and you're trying to get better at. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I was at. Like I was at a point where, you know, you, you get knocked down to where, okay, like, what are we doing? What do we need to do to get better? What do we need to do to, to fix this? And, um, you know, we dove into it and, and kind of found out that the things that we preached in spring training, uh, the stuff we, we worked on early, you know, I'd kind of gotten away from, um, so we, we, we worked on it in between, uh, that, that start and, and the Milwaukee start and, and kind of tried to get back to some of those basics that we were talking about early on. John, in uh, closing with you, Matt and I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's always great to hear from you because you talk uh, the truth and from the heart you're just an all-around great guy that I've been able to uh, get to know and uh, appreciate over the last six years. Um, might the two, 2020 season, which has been questioned as legitimate or not, be something that look, people look back at and say, this was where I was closest with my teammates ever, ever than I have been. This is a season that we value more than any other because of all the challenges that were out there as people uh, and as teams uh, to just get through it and then eventually win. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the like you said, I mean, I think they're on the outside looking in, you know, people question the season and the the value of it or, or, or the, the real, I guess, truth of it or whatever. But at the end of the day, you still have to go out and you still have to win baseball games. And, you know, we've added – however many more teams to the, to the pot in the playoffs. Um, we've added up, you know, not another round, but a, a round. Like we actually have three, three game series now. 
um, in the wild card. So you're adding adding a bunch of stuff. Um, the DH, you know, all this all this stuff. Then when it's all said and done, whoever's holding that World Series trophy, and hopefully it's us, you still had to go through some really good teams and opponents and playoff series and baseball games to to get to that point. Um, so I think regardless if it's 60 games or if it's 300 games, it, it's still a season. Um, and you still have to play good baseball and you still have to win. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little weird and we all are making adjustments on the fly in, in society right now and, and our world. But like I said, man, I mean, a, a trophy, that World Series trophy is a World Series trophy. And I don't care how many games it took to get there. Um, you know, if, you, if you're able to hold that thing up at the end of the season after winning the last game of the year, that's a special, special moment, regardless if it's 60 games or a normal season. Um, you still have to go through a lot of things. And like you said, I think this year has made um, teammates closer. Um, you know, I, I, you can't do anything else. You know, when we go on the road, um, you know, you, 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 you can't, you can't do the things that you've normally done. You know, you can't go to a restaurant or to a bar or to the hotel bar or to whatever. So you end up being around your teammates more. And I think that's been great for some of these young guys to kind of get back to that and appreciate um, the stuff that kind of gets you here. Um, you know, the, the, the traditions, the, the things that, that you should do and, and be a part of and, uh, it's been good, I think, for us. Uh, I think our group has gotten back to being about as tight as it can be, and it's just been it's been a joy, and it's been been so much fun this year to be around everybody and and you know kind of be in our own world in our own little bubble, and um, you know it's been it's been a lot of fun for us. Uh, Matt and I really appreciate your time as always. The score appreciates what you've brought to the team and uh, all these great interviews that you've done. Personally, I just want to thank you. I know we'll talk to you again during the playoffs, but personally, I just want to thank you for being not only a great professional, but a great friend uh, during uh, all this time, the last six years. Uh, You've been terrific to me and everybody in the media and really appreciate it. John, have a great day and We'll see you from afar at the ballpark uh, down the line here uh, this weekend and going into the playoffs. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everything. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thank you. John Lester. Doesn't get any better than that, Matt. Not not much better than John Lester on the mound or in an interview. Yeah, he and Marion Hosa, I think the, the two greatest free agent signings in the history of this town, and I'll never forget how the vibe just changed when he and David Ross came into that, that clubhouse. They just kind of took it over in, in a way. And, um, and Madden worked with them and kind of allowed that to happen. And they, they just set the template for what that team was supposed to feel like and was going to play like. And it was, it was pretty special right away. We'll close it out and uh, get you to uh, Rosie and Mark Grody next. On Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Tonight, it'll be the Cubs and the Twins in the second of their three-game series. And uh, that pregame 
will begin at, what, about 6 o'clock there, Adam Stadzinski? I think so, right around 6 o'clock, 6.15, with Zach Zaidman and uh, Bruce Levine. Uh, should be should be fun next week, Cubs and Sox. I don't know exactly what will be on stake, what will be at stake in the final weekend of the baseball season. The division, season. winning the division, highest seed you can get, and uh, that's, that's where it's going to be at as we come back next week and talk about uh, the White Sox playing the Cubs and battling for division titles. Maybe that happens. Could it happen over that next weekend for both teams? Could they both win the division by playing each other, one winning, one backing into it? <laughs> uh, fantastic theater to look forward to. And Cubs and Sox in the playoffs. We have people to thank, including the great Hall of Famer Jim Tomey, John Lester, the Cubs, fantastic. Adam Stadinsky, such a terrific job producing this show. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, I write on our website at 670thescore.com on the White Sox and Cubs every day. Matt, have a great, fun baseball week. Happy New Year to you and your family, and we'll talk next week. To you as well, Bruce. Thanks, and thanks, everybody. Thanks, Adam. Have a great day. Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum are next right here on 670thescore. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.